Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat post-game podcast, presented by Caddyshack Golf, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. End over end kick, a little bit shorter. Youngblood at the eight yard line. Center of the field, he's at the 15. 20, 25, got a block 30. 35, 40, 45, 50. Down the sideline, 40. He is at the 20 to the 10. Did he do it again? He did it again. Third time this season to the house for Joshua Youngblood. Welcome to the GoPowerCat.com PowerCat postgame podcast presented by Caddy Shack Golf, our friends at Caddy Shack Golf are happy like everyone else. Brian Hanley, that's how the game started. That's how the show had to start. Joshua Youngblood taking the opening kickoff, the length of the field to put K-State ahead 7-0 in this game. Tim Fitzgerald, Brian Hanley here in the WTC Gig Pirate Studios. Kansas State concludes its regular season with a 27-17 victory over Iowa State on a very windy and cold night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. There wasn't much of a crowd left, but boy, the people that stuck around, uh, they should all get a gold medal because it was miserable conditions, and yet it was loud in the stadium and they were disruptive. A very, very rewarding night for the Kansas State football program. Those in the locker room and the fans in the stands. K-State beats Iowa State 27-17 to finish the regular season with a remarkable eight victories in Chris Kleiman's first year at Kansas State. K-State's 8-4 and four, and in a four-way tie at 5-4 and four for third place in the conference. What a way to start the Chris Kleiman era at Kansas State. And now let's get busy breaking down this remarkable victory by the Wildcats. And you've got to start with that opening kickoff to Joshua Youngblood. Brian Hanley, I turn to you. What in the world were they thinking kicking the ball to that kid? I have no idea, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad they did. I have no idea what they were thinking, why they thought that was a good idea, but I'm glad they did. Got us going. It did, and, you know, I almost wonder if it wasn't a mistake. If the wind down on the field, I guess, was just absolutely swirling. It was It was notable that the flags were blowing straight out of the west, like the wind was coming just howling out of the west, but – trash kept blowing across the field from the other direction so yeah. it was just an amazing swirling effect and i almost i'm i'll be curious to see matt campbell's post game com- comments maybe they didn't even mean to kick it to him and it just ended up right in his hands and off he went because it looked like some of the guys were caught off guard by it too that uh, K-State got a return on that but it was an amazing way to start but in the big picture of things Brian it ended up 14-14 at half as Iowa State clawed their way back from a 14-0 deficit that was an interesting first half it looked like K-State 
just couldn't quite get that play. You know, that maybe the penalty yep. or the play that could just kind of turn it into a route. And Iowa State hung around and, and got it tied. And I was a little worried at halftime. How are you? Yeah, I was too because I didn't think we played very well. I thought the defense, I take that back, I thought the defense played outstanding, but I didn't think the offense played very well. And it, it looked like we were moving it, and then we would get stopped. And then we were moving it, and then we'd get stopped. And I thought, oh, they're now, I know Iowa State was thinking the same that they played, thought they played awful, and here they are tied at halftime. And I'm thinking, oh, this is not going to be good because <laughs> they should not be tied with us. We oh. should be at least 17 points ahead, and we're not. Uh, we're not really moving it. They got the ball at the start of the second half, and I'm like, uh oh. But, um, you know, we were resilient. We were resilient. It was a remarkable second half of football. It was everything Chris Kleiman wanted to see from his team during this season, all encapsulated in one half, and we will get to a lot of that. As I mentioned, we're sponsored by Caddyshack Golfware. It's Caddy with two T's. Visit CaddyshackGolf.com for all of your officially licensed golfing, Willie Apparel, accessories, and more. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order. And and in the second half of our podcast, when we turn our attention to our questions from All Bass Station, someone will win a gift certificate for their question as the question of the week. And one more quick bit of advertising. Folks, Cyber Monday is coming. It might be Monday when you listen to this. I'm not sure. But Cyber Monday, if you're not a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, that's your day. It's exciting times to be a K-State fan. Football is back in Manhattan, and it's going to be that way for the near future. Cyber Monday, get to gopowercat.com. That's all I'm going to say. How about this? At halftime, they had 122 offensive yards. They started every drive um, inside their 10, if I am correct in thinking that. And one of those drives end up in a touchdown as K-State went. 98 yards on 13 plays in a very impressive drive. Now, stop and think about that. They had 122 yards in the first half. They had 98 on their one touchdown drive that they had in addition to the Youngblood kickoff to get their 14 points. They were pretty much dead in the water from an offensive standpoint for most of the first half. They had a lot of drops in the passing game. And and you kind of think of – with that kind of wind, it affects the quarterbacks, which it does. But I think it was affecting the receivers. The ball wasn't taking a, a, you know, the expected trajectory to them. It was dying or it was moving before it got to them. Uh, it just really wreaked havoc with K-State in the passing game. But I think at the end of the game, it was Iowa State that struggled the most with the wind. Yeah, it was weird. You could see it's like the ball was moving. It was like a, a good pitcher. Like a yeah. pitcher that was throwing, you know, and the ball moving all over the place, which is good in baseball, but in basketball or in football, that is not a good thing. And it just seemed like they a lot of guys dropping passes. You know, it wasn't wet conditions. Not really. I mean, it, it was just cold, but it was just it's super windy. I mean, it was just it just wreaked havoc. It wreaked havoc on everything. Uh, but you know what? Uh, the good thing is, is that K-State decided that we were going to run the football. So, and we just warmed down. So I was very excited uh, to see that. But yeah, the wind just wreaked havoc 
on everything that you know, kicking game and everything. It was just a, it was a factor. It was a definite factor. It really was. And you're right. K State ran the ball with great effect, particularly in the second half. We'll get to that in a little bit. They finished the game with 231 yards rushing on 49 attempts, averaging 4.7, and that is a very good Iowa State rush defense. So they really made a point. They kind of proved that they could run against the three-man front. They attacked it a little more on the edges than they have been, uh, and that's something that uh, Coach Kleiman really emphasized. They wanted to get out around on the edge, and and he also had Jacardia Wright in this game. Whatever happened to Jacardia Wright? It was kind of a question. He played in the Bowling Green game along with Irvin, the other freshman, and then disappeared. Well, Coach Kleiman said tonight he's had a high ankle sprain, and they basically, it was so bad, they shut him down for two months. Uh, they They thought about playing him at Tech. It never worked out. He played in this game. He's still got – he's under his four, so he'll be able to play in the bowl game without burning his red shirt. And he scored K-State's second touchdown of the game on this run. And we didn't even realize he was in the game uh, when it happened until he got into the end zone. Thompson hands the ball off, and this will be a touchdown! Touchdown for Kansas State! <laughs> Jacardier Wright, welcome back! It's been a while since we've seen number 28, and he takes it in for the score! That's Wyatt Thompson on the Learfield IMG Kansas City Sports Network, and we appreciate them letting us use their highlights. Wyatt was stunned by it. Man, that kid is good. I think the running back position between Wright and Irvin and Trotter will be back next year is in pretty good hands. Absolutely. I mean, it, he looked like a, a Big 12 running back. Yeah. You know, he got out there. He was explosive. He ran with power. Um, you know, the, I know there's a play in the second half. He turned the corner. Um, and, you know, it didn't go out of bounds. Just he ran like a real tailback. And, you know, it was good to see. Um, so I'm excited. Yeah, I, I think our running back position is definitely in good hands coming next year. Because, um, quite frankly, he when he was out there, which I'm assuming he probably doesn't know all the plays and everything. Uh, but the plays that he was out there, I mean, he looked like the best running back on the field for K-State. Yeah, he really did. It was impressive. And uh, you mentioned that second half run. We have that highlight too. It was one heck of a run. He refused to go down. He refused to go out of bounds. And uh, it was all part of a really impressive ending of the game with K-State running. Let's hear this call from Wyatt. Here's a handoff and bouncing it outside is Brown. And he's got a crease. He's at the 40-yard line. This is Jacardier right actually to the 20, to the 19-yard line. He has been Superb tonight, Jacardier Wright. Tavon Kyle gets him to the turf. Man, they were running personnel in and out, Brian, like they did early in the season. A lot of different sets, a lot of different personnel. They absolutely uh, applied their will to Iowa State. Iowa State took a lead of 17-14. Skylar Thompson had back-to-back turnovers early in that second half, an interception and a fumble, and they didn't let it bother him at all. The defense did an incredible job in the second half, only gave up three points in the face of those two sudden change opportunities for Iowa State. Man, I don't even know what to say about this defense. That was an absolutely masterful performance. Iowa State in that second half ran 28 plays for 68 yards. Man, Brian, that was something else. Yeah, it was. The defense came to play. 
I mean, the defense was, they were flying around. They were getting after Purdy. I mean, he got away a lot of times, but we were getting after him, getting him off his spot. Um, it, it just, the defense came and did their job. I was really, really proud of them, especially that second half. I mean, they completely shut Iowa State down. They gave up a few yards, a few plays here and there, but, you know, that's going to happen. I mean, it's a football game. You know, those guys get scholarships too. At the same time, I, I just thought the defense played outstanding. I really did. I, I know Iowa State had some drops, and people are going to say, well, they dropped some passes. Well, you know what? There was a hit in the first half that, you know, running when they, they had a receiver running across the middle and got hit and dropped the pass and from McPherson lit him up. You don't know that that didn't have a lot to do with some of those drop passes for the rest of the game. You know, that's just the way football works. You know, we, we just played defense, just played well, you know, they did their job. They were out there. They were playing physical. They were running around. Um, they, they did their job. I, I just I thought, I didn't know that they could have played any better, especially that second half. I don't know that they could have played any better. I really don't. They played really, really well. And keep in mind that they're going against an Iowa State team that loves to throw the ball. Brock Purdy yes. was really bothered by everything. K-State's coverage, K-State's pressure, the wind. Yes. He just, you could see his confidence was completely gone by game's end. And K-State played this game without their top two cornerbacks. So they're playing two guys that were third and I think fifth on the depth chart at season start. Lance Robinson was has moved from fifth to fourth and man is that freshman a player. He's got yeah. that he's got oh, that yeah. cornerback moxie. He's a little cocky yep. and he just love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Definitely got a player. Yeah. And it's it's uh it's really fun to watch him play. And also Wayne Jones goes down in the second half. So now they've lost one of their two safeties and Jonathan Alexander comes in and he was at the you know the the heart of the play uh, at the end when uh, Iowa State's trying to get into position, they throw it downfield, and let's listen to this real quick from Wyatt Thompson. This was the backbreaker for Iowa State. Fourth down for Iowa State, and Purdy back to throw. Pressured out of the pocket. He is going to throw on the run, and it is knocked down at the eight-yard line by Alexander. They were everywhere, man. They were pressuring. Yeah, they were. Uh, they they just uh, had Brock Purdy all out of sorts, and he's a really good quarterback. But today he looked like a true sophomore, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, the definition of owning a line of scrimmage when it came to the passing game, K-State did that. Um, Iowa State got a few runs here and there, like I said. But as far as the line of scrimmage, the, the defensive line controlled this football game. They got after Purdy in every which way imaginable. Didn't let him get comfortable at all. And like you said, he is a very, very good quarterback. This is not just some, oh, well, he had a couple of games kind of guy. Not at all. He is a an extremely good quarterback. In case they did a number on him. They did a number on him. They whipped that offensive line, uh, defensive line, whipped that offensive line, uh, mostly in passing situations. But I, I, I love to see it because they got the guy uncomfortable, and that's what you have to do against a good quarterback. You got to get after him. You got to move him. Even if you don't get a ton of sacks, that's okay. Yeah, it's not always about getting a ton of sacks. It's just about making them uncomfortable. Yeah, and he – 
didn't have room to run because he can hurt you with his legs. But every time he tried to get out and run, he just saw purple jerseys everywhere. It was really impressive. And now there's so many interesting stats about this game that emphasize what a nice win it was for Kansas State. But I throw this one out there because it's it's so deceiving. K-State had one sack. Only one was officially a sack, and that was by Kyle Ball. Uh, And the rest was just pure pressure, hitting him, making him uncomfortable, getting him down on the on the ground, uh, even if he got in front of the stick so it wasn't a sack. They just made his life miserable. Let's hear this call about uh, Kyle Ball's big sack in this game. There's the snap. Purdy is back to throw. Has pretty good protection. Now it breaks down, and he goes down. It's Kyle Ball. He'll sack him back at the 42-and-a-half-yard line. Man, it was impressive. It really was. Yep. Really, really was impressive. But maybe <laughs> maybe the most impressive performance on the day was by little Blake Lynch, the kicker, the little guy that could. Uh, he hit two field goals. And uh, K-State's down 17-14, late third quarter. The wind's howling. It's miserable. And K-State lines up for a 43-yard field goal. A 43-yard field goal, and I'm like, man, you know, I like Blake a lot, and he's he's amazingly consistent, but I'm not sure he has the leg to drive the ball through this win like you need it to be done. And he played a hook shot, man. He started it outside that left upright and just brought it right down the middle. That is tough to do, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Hey, I mean, it's real tough to do. I mean, heck, I mean, it's like shooting a basketball on an outside court yeah. when the wind is blowing, you know, 15, 20, 30 miles an hour. I mean, it's impossible. But he did it. And you're right. You know, it doesn't necessarily, you don't think he has the leg to drive it through. And it looked like he got it. You know, he crushed it. And you can see it hit that wind wall, and it started slowing down. He got there. there. Let's let's hear the call on that field goal from Wyatt Thompson and also a comment about the field goal from Blake Lynch. Here we go. He's 16 of 18, and here's his kick. It's on the way. It is good. He got it. He got it with 91 seconds to go in the third, and we're tied at 17 all. It's a pretty crazy day with the wind. Uh, I mean, I couldn't tell you which way it was going on the sideline. It was switching every two to five minutes. I didn't know what it was doing. And uh, I don't know. I got out there, and it was a pretty strong. Uh, it was going towards uh, the west. So, and uh, I don't know. I just aimed a little bit right, and luckily it stayed true. Wow. But uh, Blake Lynch would go on and kick another field goal to steal the win, make it a two-score lead as Kansas State absolutely dominated uh, that fourth quarter, Brian. And now I'm going to get to the good stuff, the stuff that I know you love. K-State's 16, excuse me, K-State's final 16 plays from scrimmage, not counting the the kneel on it at the end of the run, not that last possession where they just kind of finished off the game. And there was a run in there now that I think about it, so maybe it was just say at 17. We're all running plays. They said, we can't throw the ball. This, is, this game is going to be won by being physical. And that offensive line absolutely owned the day. And they kind of – that running game didn't just pick up yardage and a touchdown by Jordan Brown. As an offensive lineman, you had to be watching this thinking, this offensive line is breaking that entire team's spirit for Iowa State. And that's what they did with the running game. 
Yeah, I loved it. I loved every single second of it. Uh, I mean, that is the definition of wearing a team out is that they just say, and you're right, couldn't throw it. So it was on us to make sure that, well, I say us offensive line, uh, to make sure. You're always in the club, aren't you? That the, the game got going. And we, they just took it upon themselves to just dominate that game and just completely warm out, you know, just completely warm out. I thought it was a great effort by the offensive line. It wasn't necessarily a great first half, but that second half, but that's part of it. That's what you do. You run the ball, you run the ball, you run the ball, and you continue to do it and you wear your opponent out. And they did that. And there wasn't anything that Iowa state could do to stop it. Nothing. Nothing. Loved it. Nothing. They really were uncorking it there at the end. Let's look at these final stats. Jordan Brown was finally healthy. We'll hear from Chris Kleiman about that in just one second. Jordan Brown ran the ball 19 times for 91 yards. Jacardia Wright, the true freshman, came in. He only carried the ball six times. That's, that's That surprises me. But he picked up 60 yards in the process. James Gilbert was pretty limited by injuries, uh, so he only took the ball eight times, and that was earlier in the game. Harry Trotter had only one carry, but he was doing some great blocking out there. Skylar Thompson, nine times for 38 yards. You look at the stats overall, and they don't tell the story of how dominant the K-State running game was right when they needed it, right in that fourth quarter. Iowa State couldn't come back and win because they didn't have the damn ball. K-State was just eating up the clock and exhausting the Iowa State defense while the Iowa State offense was freezing their butts off over on the sideline. Man, I, I'm sorry. I'm old school. I know you are, too. That was just so much fun to watch. That was yeah, beautiful it was. football. That's what yeah, football I mean, it was is. Just, yes, that's exactly what football is. And this was football weather. It was football weather just getting out there and just pounding a team into submission. That is literally what it is. That was the definition of beating a team into submission. And there's nothing wrong with it. I know that everybody wants to score 100 points and we want flashy. You know what? I want wins. I want to break teams' will. And we broke their will. And I know, you know, there's been some things about, well, the offensive line hasn't played well. And I have been critical of them when they haven't played well. And for good reason. But today is a day of praise, and they played outstanding. I mean, they just wore them out. I know people were concerned with, you know, the three-man line and this and that. And for the most part, they weren't running a three-man line. I mean, and three-man lines aren't really that tricky. There's just three down linemen. There's always a linebacker there that comes up, you know, at the snap of the ball to make it four. And a lot of times they run three down linemen with two outside linebackers, things of that nature. But in the second half, it didn't matter what they did. It didn't matter what they did, how they lined up, how they twisted, how they slanted did not matter. We were going to run the football. Whatever we were going to run, we were going to run it. And they literally broke their spirit. And you can tell. You can just look. They, they were gassed. They, they, it's not necessarily that they gave up, but they knew they couldn't stop us. And that's what was exciting for me to see, is that they knew they couldn't stop us. More importantly, our offensive linemen knew that they couldn't stop us. And we just punished them. Just punished them. Kansas State's 27-17 victory over Iowa State moves the Wildcats to 8-4 and four as they close out the regular season. They are 5-4 and four in the 
in the Big 12, and they end up in a four-way tie for third place. Picked for ninth, they finished third with this win over Iowa State, and Iowa State, a season that they held so much regard for. They thought this was their breakthrough season at, at Iowa State when they were really going to step into the national spotlight. Seven and five. They end up cool. seven and five on the season. And this was the most definitive loss of the season for Iowa State. Four games by 11 points they had lost so far this season. And this one they lost by 10. It was impressive. Let's get back to that running game right now. The running game was so important. Here is Jordan Brown's touchdown. Here are Jordan Brown's comments about that. And as we go into break, let's slide in a little Chris Kleiman about the running game. And after the break, we will get to your questions from Wabash Station. Here we go. Two men in the backfield. Here's the handoff. This is Brown to the left side. He's at the 10 to the 5. He's got it. He's got it. Touchdown, K-State. 15-yard run for Jordan Brown. And the Wildcats lead with 10-24 to go. 23-17. to Well, Lyon did a great job. Um, I saw the, the defense and linebackers all flow outside, and I just cut it up. And it was wide open, and I just sprinted to the end zone. Well, that's as healthy as Jordan's been since uh, Oklahoma game. And uh, I thought he ran with a great purpose. We were going to play Jacardier right. We were going to play him at Texas Tech or we're going to play him here. And Texas Tech, you know, seemed like the situation never was quite right. And we said, we're going to play him because it was a big evaluation for us to see, you know, where he's going to be at for next year. And uh, I'm excited. I think that's just game two, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. So he's going to get an opportunity to play a little bit more uh, in a bowl game at the best thing about it is he's going to get to practice for a few weeks stay locked in the power cat podcast will be right back my days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot i checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local experienced and background check sitters finding our babysitter was way more affordable than i thought care.com makes it super easy search for qualified candidates you can view their profiles read reviews and ratings check their availability send messages directly get the help that you need care.com should be every person's go-to imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time i'm here to tell you about bowling branch sheets in a recent customer survey 96 percent replied that bowling branch sheets get softer with every wash they're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus 15 percent off your first order with code odyssey so head to boll and branch.com today exclusions apply see site for details We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. I'm so thrilled for our seniors and, and uh, the football team to respond the way they did after a big win on the road and um, you know, a bunch of guys hurt again but uh, finding a way to come together with a great plan offensively and defensively and then uh, did it the way uh, that, that I see us having to win here and that's to be able to rush the football. We rushed it for 230 yards, held it for 34 minutes uh, and then uh, I thought our defense uh, was exceptional. They're one of 13 on third down conversions. Uh, they have some really 
good players, as everybody knows, but uh, uh, we were able to, for the most part, keep the play in front of us and uh, just uh, couldn't be more thrilled for our football team. That is Kansas State head football coach Chris Kleiman as he wrapped up the Kansas State victory 27-17 over Iowa State to conclude the regular season for the Wildcats. Our thanks to our friends at the Learfield IMG Kansas State Sports Network for allowing us to use their highlights from the broadcast throughout the night. Just a wonderful job by Wyatt Thompson, Matt Walters, Stan Weber, the whole crew over there. This is the Powercat Postgame Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald in the WTC Gig Powered Studios and co-host Brian Hanley, former Kansas State offensive lineman. He's at his home in Texas, but he watches every K-State game intently. And remember, we are sponsored by Caddy Shack Golf. That's Caddy with two T's. For K-Staters, by K-Staters, jackets, hats, polos, t-shirts, golf accessories, Caddyshack Golfware, Caddy with two T's. Visit CaddyshackGolf.com. Use the code GPC for free shipping on your next order. And we will have a Caddyshack Golf question of the week a little bit later in this segment. Kansas State finishes off its regular season with a really impressive 27-17 victory on a windy, gusty night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The Cats finish at 8-4. They are 5-4 and and tied for third in the Big 12. And it was something else. And we have a lot of great questions from Wabash Station as we really dive deeper into this. Brian, you ready for some questions? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this one's from Osage Wildcat. And you are in a good position to answer this. Where do you think the current K-State defense would rank compared to some of those great defenses in the past? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, and he mentions uh, that know. he mentions they have problems tackling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. They played great tonight, and they played really good all season. So let's not take that away from them either. They, I mean, they played good all season, but you got to remember some of those defenses of the past had eight or nine guys that played multiple years in the NFL. So let's just not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just be happy with the team that we have. There's nothing wrong with just being happy with who we have and how well they're playing right now. And the game's changed a lot. I, I would contend yeah. that it would, it would be very difficult for any defense to put up the kind of numbers that, for example, the 98 team did. Uh, it's because the game's so much more wide open now, and, and there's been such an evolution in the passing game uh, that it's almost, it's almost impossible for a team to be consistently great on the defensive side of the ball. That's right. It is. You know, you're not, I mean, even some of the great teams that you see defensive wise are teams, you know, year in and year out that put several guys in the NFL. I mean, look at Alabama, for instance. I mean, Alabama consistently puts four and five guys in the NFL every single year. And yet, when they get to some of these big games, they're giving up 40 points. Yep. You know, I mean, they did it again today and got beat. Gave up 48 points, you know, and on that defense, there's going to be five guys that are going to play a minimum of five years in the NFL. So it's just a totally different game, just especially in college. It is a totally, totally different game. Yep, it sure is. This one is right down your alley. Uh, Yo Mama wants to know, not literally Yo Mama, it's <laughs> What did uh, the offensive line do tonight that they haven't done since the KU game? Um, you know, I don't think it was anything 
different that they did other than they, I think they just kept playing physical um, and they just kept winning. You know, they kept winning one-on-one matchups. They kept doing those things. And that's the key. You know, they were just battling and they were beating them up. You could see it. They were pushing guys around um, and they weren't playing timid. It looked like, you know, that they were playing timid. Now, another thing is, is that Iowa State didn't sell out to stop the run either. So let's give some credit to that. You know, it's not all on the offensive line to why they couldn't run the ball the past couple of weeks. I mean, Texas refused to let it happen. I mean, that, that's just Texas. Just, they had enough guys at the line of scrimmage. They decided that Kansas state is not going to run the football. Well, there's nothing an offensive line can do about that. I mean, if they've got more guys up there than you can block, I mean, there's nothing you can do. West Virginia was kind of the same way. You know, just more guys doing a lot more things, and we just needed to maybe throw the ball a little bit more to open up the pass. Tonight, Iowa State didn't necessarily do that, but give credit to the offensive line. Offensive line played well. They just played physical. It looked like kind of what you mentioned earlier in the first half is that with a lot of different formations, a lot of different packages, you know, formation packages and sub-packages, things of that nature, all those things help offensive alignment all of that stuff even if you're running the literally the exact same play all those different formations different alignments different sub packages all of that helps offensive line because defenses still have to align to that and that play calling helps a lot and the offensive line benefited from that but give those guys credit they played very very physical well can't tad uh, two. I don't know. There's a Wildcat tad one, but number two wants to. Um, what what changed in the fourth quarter that allowed K State to run the ball so much better than they had in the rest of the game? I don't know that a whole lot changed in the in, as far as the the format, other than they just warmed down. Right. They just, I mean, you get beat on, you get beat on, you get beat on. I guess you could technically say that's what changed is that they just warmed down. You know, the guys just played well and they just kept playing they kept battling and you know they broke their will broke their spirit and they got a couple of runs oh okay you get a little bit more you get some more confidence and you get some more confidence and some more confidence and it just literally they just broke their spirit and that's all you can ask of off of the line just keep going hey it may not be this play may not be that play may not be this quarter may not be this half but if you keep going sooner or later it's going to pop, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it really was something else. K-State took the ball over at its own 47 with just a few seconds off the clock in the fourth quarter. Four minutes and 28 seconds later, K-State was in the end zone on that Jordan Brown 15-yard run that we played in the first half of the show for you. And they ran eight plays for 53 yards. All eight of those plays were runs. And by the end of that, Iowa State was done. They were done. They yep. And all K-State needed was that Blake Lynch field goal later in the fourth quarter to make it a 10-point game, and there was no way. I didn't think Iowa State had a chance to come back. No, absolutely not. I didn't think 
I, I thought they were just finished. That last touchdown, you could tell they were just done. And offensively, they couldn't get it going either, you know, and because our guys were just out there flying around. It, oh, man. I, I, I'm just, I know it's one game, but it's the end of the season, you know, minus the bowl game. I'm just excited at how well the guys played tonight. You know, coming off of, you know, last week, having a tough game and, and winning. You know, but winning a tough game and the way they ended the season, I'm just ex- super excited because last year it didn't win this way. And this year it is, and I'm just excited. The program's really taking a step forward. Really did. It's it's just a really impressive way to finish off a season and finish off that game. I mean, I said this earlier yeah. in the podcast. That fourth quarter was exactly the brand of football Chris Kleiman wants to put on the field for years to come. Stifling defense and relentless running. Probably not running it the whole time. I think they ran it the entire fourth quarter. I don't think they ever threw it. Um, yeah. Probably not that much running, but that's what he wants to do to teams, and you could see the effect it had in the game. It was just really really something else to watch and here's a great question as we kind of follow up with that um uh, where is it uh colorado cap is there a danger of losing coaches from this year's team brian there's always a danger people come after you you know i wouldn't be surprised someone comes after scotty hazelton uh let's hope his wife doesn't want to move one more time and they want to stay in manhattan kansas yeah exactly i mean when you have a good program I mean, I mean, if you have a program, guys are going to come after you. That's just the way that it works. So assistant coaches, for the most part, are on one-year deals anyway. So, you know, and they're just renewing it. So, I mean, guys are going to come after guys. It's just hope guys want to stick around for a while and help build this thing. That's all that you can hope for. But, you know. Uh, money talks and so do head coaching opportunities and if somebody comes along with the right amount of money and a head coaching job you can't blame somebody for going and taking advantage of that oh i agree there's there's some uh, real promising uh coaches on the staff i i wonder if scotty hazelton has any head coaching aspirations or uh if he will be viewed as a legitimate candidate on down the road i i know this i i said this on another podcast we do but I see a program like Colorado State. He just came out of the Mountain West, out of Wyoming. One of their rivals is Colorado State. Mike Bobo is probably out at, at uh, in Fort Collins after this season. We'll see if they would have any interest in a guy like Scotty Hazelton because I think culturally it'd be incredible. He knows the conference, he you know, and he just seems to be uh, would fit in really well. But I'm not sure he's quite there in his career. Right? Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is. Head coaching jobs, and people always say, well, why would you go do that? Why would you take that? Hey, to run your own program and to build your own program, there is something to be said for that. Money aside, let's not even talk about the money, which obviously that helps. But at the same time, just to be in charge of your own program means something, but you also have to be ready for it you know there you've seen it i've seen it so many times a guy gets a head coaching job and four years later they're out and they don't get a head coaching job again because they took the job before they were ready yep and then that's all that anybody can remember is that the perfect example is that is i know that a lot of people don't necessarily have great feelings about him anymore it is brent venables brent venables you would think we should have been a head coach 10 years ago but he settled in defensive coordinator, and he may be a defensive coordinator for life. I mean, you know, just because 
that's maybe not the aspiration that he wants. I, I mean, you would think that he does, and at some point, maybe he will, but making a million dollars being the defensive coordinator at Clemson isn't a bad gig. I think he's up so, to two. So, yeah, he's making yeah, a pretty darn good living. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. That's, that's not a bad gig. No. And so, you know, there's something to be said for that. So, um, and maybe uh, Coach Hazleton, maybe he's just – Maybe he's not ready for that. Maybe he doesn't want that right now. So um, I would argue, who knows? knows? As you said, I would argue that he might be best off just keeping his powder dry, staying in Manhattan, consistently putting up really good defenses. So that first head coaching job is a power five job. Um, That's exactly right. Yeah. That someone says, okay, um, you've been there. You've really proven over and over and over. You can do it now. Take over this program and, you know, be in the Pac-12 or wherever I could see that happening. Uh, let's turn our attention to the defense. And, you know, we, it's easy to sit there and talk about the offense all day, but uh, we just were talking about Scotty Hazleton, and let's talk about how good they were. Contra Cat asked this, the D-line played possessed today, kept moving Brock Purdy around. Did they have the best day of the DBs, linebackers, uh, and the DL? Out of those three units, was the defensive line the, the most outstanding of the group? I thought so. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just because they kept the quarterback uncomfortable, you know, it'd be one thing. And because it, you do have to remember, and I know I mentioned it earlier, the receivers did drop a lot of passes for Iowa State. They did. Now, again, who knows what was the cause of that? Some of it was the wind. Some of it maybe, hey, they heard footsteps, things of that nature. But there were some guys running free and guys just dropped passes. Just That's the fact. But at the same time, the quarterback wasn't comfortable. The quarterback was all over the place. Some of those throws were inaccurate because the quarterback was being harassed. The defensive line controlled the football game on that side of the, the on that side of the line of scrimmage. They controlled the football game uh, for me. Anyway, that's what I thought. I thought they got them running all over the place. They had the quarterback running all over the place. Um, constant pressure. Um, it, it was just by far. You know, I thought they were the best of those three units by far. Not that the other units played horrible. I'm not saying that. I just think the defensive line just played that well. Yeah, I I agree. I thought the defensive line was just so disruptive. You know, and I, I saw the as the game went on, Tariq Milton had a really nice night, number one for Iowa State. But in that third quarter, he dropped a crossing pattern. And he looked like he was just – he couldn't quite get his hands on the ball, um, couldn't quite put it away. He'd been hit a few times. And I think that was when I realized Iowa State's in trouble here. They really are. And I looked down and I just picked up the roster. He's from Bradenton, Florida. And I'm like, that kid doesn't want to be in this cold weather. He wants nothing nope. to do with this. He's never – it's probably the – I don't know what Iowa State's played in this year, but I think this was the coldest game of the Big 12 so far this season. He wanted nothing to do with it. And it's, it's hard to blame him. It really is. Well, but at the same time, though, Tim, then why did you go to Iowa State? Exactly. I mean, if you if you don't like cold, and I'm not blaming the kid for not liking cold or anybody for not liking cold, but why did you go to Iowa State? I mean, there's no reason for that. If you don't like playing in cold weather, that's not school for you. No. So I, I don't want to give the kid an excuse or a pass on that. Just, hey, 
Play tough. Be tough. Catch yeah. the football. You didn't. We won. Too bad. So sad. Well, Chris Kleiman's an <laughs> awfully proud head coach of that defense of Scotty Hazelton. Let's hear what Coach Kleiman had to say after the game about how Hazelton's bunch put it all together today. Yeah, great job by Coach Hayes on the defensive staff. And you're right, we're talking about corner three, four, and five when the season started, and they became uh, one, one uh, A and one B, uh, and played really, really well. And I thought, you know, I, I hats off to our defensive line and Tui and, and Buddy. Uh, boy, we just get after people up front, and I think we caused uh, pretty a lot of uh, stress back there and getting the football, getting rid of the football uh, quicker than he wanted to. And I thought we made some plays on the on the ball, and that was the thing that. You know, I, I knew at halftime we just weren't making enough plays in that late in that second quarter. And I said, guys, if we just can make a couple of plays, uh, we're going to be fine. And, and I was really happy we turned the ball over twice and only give up three, and you're only down 17-14. Uh, shoot, all we needed to do was make a play, and we did that. Yeah, they did. They just continually made the next play, and K-State absolutely dominated that fourth quarter. Uh, let's move on to another question, and this is our – um, Caddyshack Golf Question of the Week because uh, I think it's important and it's going to require us to think, Brian. You know, I, I don't like to think, but if, if we have to stop and think, and I have a lead on this because I know the question, so you're going to get it dropped on you. So I'll tell you what, I will answer this question first and let you ponder your answer uh, as uh, as I kind of babble on about it. T. Newman, 41, right. Question of the Week, which senior – will be the most missed off of this team. Which senior will be the most missed? Exactly. You gotta, now you've got to think who all is a senior. And I'm going to go with Trey Deshaun. Uh, simply because that kid, since his freshman season, has been just an anchor in the middle of the defense. Was he ever an incredible football player? No, but he was rock solid from day one. He rarely, very rarely hurt you. He had the big brain fart against West Virginia, and he really came back in this game and had another solid game. Trey Deshaun has kind of been a a poster child for what this program is about. A Kansas kid that developed probably far beyond what some people thought he would when he went to a Big 12 program and had a great, great four-year starter career at Kansas State. Do you have someone? Well, you know, I was thinking about it, and quite honestly, I mean, that's a good answer because I was one of those people when he signed thinking, what are we doing? Yeah. And now he had all the measurables. He had all the size, but nobody – I don't know if sometimes guys slip through the cracks, but he got no offers. And you would think a guy that big, that fan, that athletic is going to get offered by somebody. And that was literally my first thought is like, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? This is why this is the reason that we we're we're slipping behind and recruiting. And he proved not only everybody, he proved me completely wrong. I, I mean, he has been an outstanding. Like I said, he hasn't been the best player, but he's been a rock solid player. And that's all you can ask for for guys like that. Turn himself into a really good football player. But I think for me, I'm going to go with Scott France. I know that he's not the best offensive lineman. I mean, me choosing an offensive lineman. I mean, who would have thought that? I know that he hasn't necessarily <laughs> been the, the greatest, you know, offensive lineman, hasn't necessarily had the best year. But, you know, when you can play at a Big 12 program and start as a freshman and continue and just, and just from come in and start 
And I think he's a red shirt senior. So I just believe that he is going to be missed because he provides some leadership and stability. I mean, you just put him over there at left tackle and you haven't had to worry about anything, you know, for four years. For four years, yep. he's been the starter over there. So I believe that is what's going to be missed because it's just like in professional football. They find a left tackle and they plug him in and they keep him there for 10 years. We've had that guy over there for four years and we haven't had to worry about anything. I'm not saying that he's the greatest offensive lineman in the world, but although he's not a bad one, but I'm not saying he's the greatest, but he has been rock solid. And as a left tackle, and you not have to worry about that position for four years, that's saying something. So that's who I believe we're going to miss. Does he have a shot in the league? Do you think he could get drafted? Well, you know, he does play left tackle, but he's not the most athletic guy. Right. So he's going to have to move positions if he's going to play. I'm thinking more of a right guard. Uh, but I do believe he's going to have to put on some weight and get, you know, get stronger. But I believe he's because he's smart. So I think he's going to have a position to play uh, at the next level. He's definitely going to get the opportunity. I think he's going to get a shot to play at the next level. Uh, he's going to, like I said, he's going to have to change positions. And if that's what he wants to do, you know, because you know, a lot of times guys don't necessarily want to do that. They don't want to change positions. They don't. It's not. The love, and I have no idea either way about it. But at the same time, if he wants to play, I believe that he's going to be able to to do it because he's going to change positions, put on some strings, put on a little bit of weight, uh, and then he could be a, a, a eight, ten year guy if he really wants to. I think he's got that kind of ability. You know, as I look back over it, it's something we never ever talk about because. Everyone thought it was a big story at the time, but it's not a story. The fact that he's one of the few out players uh, in college football, he would be a rarity in the NFL if he catches on. When when it was announced that he you know, was publicly announcing his homosexuality, nobody gave a crap at K-State. It, no. it, it was absolutely one of the coolest things that I've seen for my alma mater. Everyone was like, oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Be you, man. Literally. Be you. And the players yeah. didn't care. It, it, it's, uh, you know, I. I mean, I, you haven't even heard anything about it. And that kind of no. kind of tells us where we're at as a society a yeah. little bit, too, is that, okay, well, why is it a big deal? You hear more of people saying, well, why did you even need to do that? No, we don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So, which I understand why he did, because it's important. I get that part of it. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It was for for K State for the K State family, and I'm not just talking the football family. I'm talking about university fans, alumni, everything. For them to react as basically have no reaction, yeah. I thought was awesome. It was amazing, and and you know we're old farts in the eyes of college students, uh, but I, and we we can say a lot of things. This generation does this wrong and this wrong. This is a really cool thing about this generation. That That's kind right. of stuff, yeah, it, is. it doesn't matter to them. They don't give a damn. They just care about the person and who they are, not a sexual preference, the color of skin, uh, any of that. It's just it's a really cool thing, and, and we've moved a long ways down the road. And, I'm, and it's funny because I just feel awkward even bringing it up. But it's almost right. like I want to note it because it's so cool it isn't of note. Right. If that yes, makes sense. Absolutely. Let's get back to it some, makes perfect sense. Yeah, it gets back to some questions. I like Pickles Cat wants you to explain what makes a kickoff kickoff oh geez, K State kickoff return scheme so different and successful than anyone else. Effort. 
They focus on it. I mean, special teams is all effort, and that is what makes it different. There's not a hundred different ways to block kickoffs and punt returns and things of that nature. It is all effort. And when you see guys running down with, you know, the kick returner on a touchdown, they're putting in just as much effort. I know he gets the glory, but there's no better glory than, I mean, on that kickoff return, there were two guys that got knocked on their butt. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that doesn't happen that often on a kickoff. Not these days with the way they've changed the rules and things of that nature. You don't see that that often. And guys were just beating guys up down there. I thought, this is great. And it's so it's not necessarily what makes a difference as far as the blocking. It's just the effort and the effort as a unit and those guys understanding and what they want to do and taking pride in it. That's what it is. That's that, that, that's all it is. It's so great to see. It, it was amazing. Josh Youngblood. Folks, he's a true freshman. You just started to see. Yeah. And he didn't even do it the whole season. If you recall, that he oh. was not on the original crew, and then they moved him in there. And it's like the first time he touched the ball, you went, oh, there's something different here. He yeah. ended up with three touchdowns on 13 returns. That is unbelievable. And here's yep. what's really sad. It takes 15 returns to be on the national stats. So when they go to vote on the national, you know, the returner of the year, he's not going to show up on the national stats, and he's going to be out of sight, out of mind for the All-American teams. And K-State's going to have to put together a little promotion here saying, hey, but don't forget this kid. He led the nation in returns and kickoff right. returns for touchdown. Don't forget him because uh, he didn't have enough. That even makes it more incredible. Absolutely. Exactly. He's a, and he's a great young man. He's awfully fun to talk to, and uh, it's just really a blast to cover kids like that. Heard as Joe wants to know this, what do you think is the ceiling for Chris Kleiman at Kansas State? There isn't uh, one. I don't, I don't think yeah. we put a ceiling on it. I, I mean, I don't like putting ceilings on much. Tim, I'm not that guy. I'm not built that way. I don't like putting ceilings and saying that there's limitations to certain things of that nature. You know, I'm just not that way. I'm parent, son of, of teachers, and they always taught me you can do whatever you want. And you put your mind to it. I know that's a cliche, and it's an old one, but it's a true one. And I don't think that there's a ceiling at all for – this program we can take it as high as we want i mean who would have thought that kansas state when coach snyder first got there that kansas state would have gotten to where they did i mean nobody thought that nobody on earth literally on earth thought that that was going to happen but it was possible and so the same things are going to be possible so i don't think that there's a ceiling i know that we're off to an outstanding start you know uh I, I do know that. I know that guys have bought in and are fighting, and I know the recruiting's getting better, which is always going to be the key for us. Um, I know the coaching staff is exciting. Um, so I, I don't believe that there's a ceiling at all. I just think that, you know, we just have to keep building. That's the whole thing. As long as we just keep building and building it the right way, Things will be fine. I'm really excited to see what they do with a couple full recruiting classes. Um, because you just look at last year's recruiting class, most of the class had signed, um, you know, had been recruited by 
um, Coach Snyder's staff, and they signed early, and or and then you get into the late signing period, they could find guys like Joshua Youngblood, uh, Irvin, um, Jacardia Wright. Uh, you know, you keep going Duke. These guys they found late in the process that were still out there, and they identified them as Big Twelve players. And you know what? They're Big Twelve players. They don't look like freshmen when they play. They look like players. Um, That's going to be the key. It's yeah. just finding those guys and keep finding those guys that that are going to make us successful. Um, and that's basically back to when the program started with Coach Snyder, was finding those guys, you know, that maybe other guys don't want or, you know, maybe they don't fit their bill as far as the measurables, but they'll fit our bill. Because, you know, we can put them out there. They're still good players. But just because somebody's not 6'3", 220, and runs a 4'3", doesn't mean that they're not a good football player. So I just think that we're, we're, we're in the right, going in the right direction. We're just going in the right direction. K-State's always had a knack of finding some of those guys. And now the coaching staff is just finding more of those guys. And that's the key finding more explosive players on all phases, you know, offense, defense, just finding more explosive players that we can put out there. Cause the game's getting faster. As we mentioned before, it's changing. It's getting faster and faster and faster. So we just got to keep up with it and keep doing that and keep getting explosive players to put on the football field. Well, Kansas State does finish the regular season eight and four. They have earned a bowl bid. They are five and four in the Big Twelve and tied for third. And it is a mess at third place with four other schools. So Ricky Tiki Tavi wants to know about bowl game projections and and Brian. It really comes down to Oklahoma and Baylor. What happens with that game? Uh, does someone slide into you know Baylor beats Oklahoma? Do they? somehow backdoor their way in with Alabama's loss into the national playoffs. We'll see. Oklahoma winning, I would guess at this point, they might get in. Utah's a factor in that right now also. Um, and so the, really the first step in knowing this is do both of those teams get into New Year's Six Bowls? Uh, if they do, it moves everyone up a slot. Uh, and, and I can see the Cotton Bowl, which has got a later pick, going ahead and grabbing another Big 12 team if there's a second one available. Uh, so let's say they don't. Let's say one team's in and the other team falls down into the bowl scenario for the Big 12. That would be the Alamo Bowl. That's the top team, not in the playoff picture, in the New Year's Six Bowl picture. So if Oklahoma Baylor's there, the next bowl's the camping world. And there's a lot of talk, Brian, about them taking Texas. They have Notre Dame on the other side and matching up a Texas team that honestly doesn't deserve that bowl, in my opinion, uh, but they might go for Notre Dame, Texas. Um, does that make you as mad as it makes me? It does, but at the same time, I understand. I know. I mean, it's all, it's all about money. It's all about, you know, what's going to attract the most eyes and whether the eyes are at the football game or watching the football game on TV. So it just drives me up the wall. Uh, I don't know that they're the most deserving. Matter of fact, it's not that I don't know if they're the most deserving. I know they're not the most deserving. But what are we going to do? I mean, it seems like K-State always gets left out in the cold when it comes to this. Trust me, I've been there, been a part of that nonsense. Um, but 
but so yeah i just i don't when it comes to that stuff i don't even like thinking about it because it's only going to make me mad <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly uh look there was a dime in in the bull world where selling tickets was important and those you know economic impact in your your city was important but then those times are over man they pre-sell those yeah. tickets they they sell a ton of them to corporate donors that buy tickets and then they make that schools buy an allotment um that's why it's so important to buy from your school because they're on the hook for those tickets if whether they sell them to you or not so uh the tickets aren't a concern anymore they just look they're looking for tv ratings and i admit it i admit to the passive college football fan that isn't paying enough attention notre dame texas sounds like a pretty damn good game even if it's not the best game available um the pecking order of the bowl games um beyond the new year six bowls for the big 12 or the alamo camping world texas liberty and cheese it bowl uh there's another bowl the first responders bowl texas or excuse me tcu didn't win this weekend so they're not bowl qualified so that bowl will have taken a large team so in all likelihood uh, kansas state's most most likely destinations are the texas bowl in houston or the liberty bowl in memphis uh and i imagine iowa state will end up in the cheese it bowl when it's all said and done we will see brian and all i know is this is they said a bowl wasn't in the plans for kansas state this season they were projected to finish ninth they were projected to finish with five wins or so by las vegas and chris Kleiman and company really really did an incredible job. Did they win all the games they should have won? No. But maybe they snuck a few in there that we didn't expect. And I'm telling you what, my friend, eight wins. If you told me eight wins, if you had said, Fitz, they're going to go eight and four the first year, I would have said, Brian Hanley, you're out of your mind. It's not happening. But here we are. Here we are. Going to a bowl game, eight wins. Just put a little bow on this season uh, with your thoughts here, Brian. Well, here's the thing. It's just what you said. If I, you At the beginning of the year, there was no way that I thought the team was going to win, even capable of winning eight games. I just didn't think it was going to be possible. I didn't think we had enough talent to be able to do that. I thought six was the number that we were going to come in at, and hopefully we did. But through some... I don't know if you want to, it's some fortune. I think we created our own good fortune by guys buying in. You know, there's always that chance that some teams won't buy in or it takes them a couple of years to get their own guys in. You know, the whole, well, I got to get my guys in here. The coach has got to get his guys in here. Well, for the most part, all these guys came from Coach Snyder and all these guys bought in. Now, that's a testament to two things. One, we have an outstanding coaching staff. But two, it's also a testament to Coach Snyder for what he did bringing in the right kind of people that even though he's gone, hey, these guys still want to battle. They still want to win. So the coaching staff has done an outstanding job. The team has battled hard. They haven't played great every game. But you know what? Winning eight games this year, Went in five in the right direction, Tim. I'm telling you, I just with the coaching staff and with the guys that we have and the guys that we have coming back, and I just believe that we are on the right track in getting this thing 
moving in the in a great. It's not that the, the program again. I'm not here to bash. I'm not here to say that the program wasn't moving forward or anything. But it had just gone stale. That's all. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing wrong with just being honest. The program had just gone stale, and now we've got a breath of fresh air that we've pumped into it, and let it take off and let's go from there. And this season has been that. It has been that for you see a lot of fans. A lot of fans are just so surprised. They're so happy that the guys are playing well. You know, it just seems like things are good in Manhattan and Kansas in general when K-State's playing good football. You know, and we're playing good football. So I'm real, real happy that the program is going the, the direction that it is. Can't be more happy for the coaching staff. But more importantly, I'm happy for the kids. Because going to a bowl game, I know a lot of people say, you know, they're meaningless bowl games. But you know what? I've been one of those kids. And no bowl game is meaningless. And get, especially when you get the extra practice time. Now, I didn't let necessarily look forward to that. But going and getting the extra practice time, it gets the guys better. They get better. I saw it firsthand. Michael Bishop got so much better from our last game that we played at Iowa State to that Fiesta Bowl. He was a different football player. Yeah, he was. Just because of those practices that we had, he was a totally different football player. So, believe it or not, these bowl practices are going to help for next year. They just are just getting that extra practice time. It just, it's just a, so much better feeling of going to a bowl game and then going and competing and winning. It makes is just the cherry on top, but you know, not going last year, that's a bad feeling for kids. Nobody wants to go through a season and not go to a bowl game. Kansas state's better than that. And we prove that this year. So it's been a good season. It's been a great season. Great season. Uh, looking for, for more next year. Looking for better next year. I know we're ahead of the curve. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves and say we should win the national title. So I'm not saying that, but I believe that we are moving in the right direction. And it's okay to have good expe or high expectations. It's okay to have that. It's okay to expect the team to be better. It's okay to do that. Just keep a level head about it, but it's still okay to do that. And I just believe we're headed in that right direction. This is a great start first year. Outstanding. That was great stuff from former Kansas State offensive lineman Brian Hanley. Brian, thank you for being at my side for all 12 of these games. Well, 11. You and I were absent for one of these podcasts. Uh, but uh, it's been awfully fun, and we will get back together for one more game later in December as we talk about a bowl game, and I'm looking forward to it. Brian, thank you very much. Great stuff. And by the way, folks, if you're not a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, holy cow, is it a great time to sign up uh, because as Brian said, the future is incredibly bright for K-State football and all I'm going to say is Cyber Monday is going to be a really big deal at Go Powercat. If you're not a <laughs> subscriber, you might want to pop in on Monday and check out what's going on because that's your time to jump on board. As we bring this very long, very happy podcast to an end, we thank our sponsor Caddyshack Golf. We have picked a winner of the question of the week and remember to get over to caddyshackgolf.com. It's caddy with two T's and use the code GPC for free shipping. And now let's hear from Chris Kleiman about the crowd that braved a very, very cold, blustery night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium and hear Wyatt Thompson's final call of the final play of the 2019 regular season. 
and hats off to our crowd. That yes. was a loud, loud crowd, and they were a huge factor. They so they really were. Great win. Thompson, a knee, and that's it. Kansas State has knocked off Iowa State. They win the ball game 27-17. Chris Kleiman's first regular season is done, and what a ride it was. The Cats are 8-4, 5-4 in the Big 12 as they win it here 27-17. to You've been listening to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast presented by Caddyshack Golf. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.